And we are back. Season three of the only podcast produced by three two-time winners of IMSA's Spirit of the Race Award is back online for 2020. Welcome to the Check Engine Podcast. We're streaming through Anchor.fm and we're sent out everywhere good podcasts are streamed. My name is Nick. Back with us once again is General Idea Comer Upper Guy <laughs> Creator Andrew is here. What's up, man? Welcome back. Ah, oh, it feels it feels great to be back. I had like hot topics to come in with but i forgot them all while we were watching youtube videos before we started recording we this. forgot how to do pretty much everything here yeah. in the six weeks we've been off yeah i had hot topics right away but they're all gone so you know podcast over <laughs> and that's it for the check engine podcast everybody thank you for tuning in we'll see you next year <laughs> we'll see you next, next year, year. <laughs> like we can try again <laughs> so i forgot i haven't introduced you yet for the third straight year behind the console, everybody's favorite producer, Tristan's back. What's up, man? Three years? Third straight year. Yikes. Yeah. Do Am I old now? No. Okay. It's well, you five. always were the oldest. Yeah, true. Of the three of us, at least. <laughs> no, uh, feeling good to be back. Uh, took us about twice as long as it used to to put up the equipment, but we're back. Yeah, that felt not great. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, this is the first time we've come off a break like this with the full setup. Uh, yeah, that is true. I just didn't think I would have forgotten every single thing. All the setup, the whole thing. Yeah, we made it through. It sounds good, hopefully. We'll find out. If you can hear us out there, comment. Let us know. <laughs> Eventually, if, if you can't hear us, we know we did something wrong. <laughs> <laughs> if you're just listening to an hour and 45 minutes of dead air. Write <laughs> <laughs> <Right> us. <laughs> what do we got to talk about today? Well, I mean, we are almost at the end of January of 2020, so there's no time like the present to talk about 2019. I mean... Yeah. One last little taste of the member berries? I, I saw complaints that this is lazy content, and and it is. Yep. But, <laughs> Admit it. What I actually would like to talk about... We only had over a month to come up with something. <laughs> okay, but yeah. <laughs> But anyways, <laughs> let's not talk about that. No, what I, what I want to talk about, I mean, weirdly in the past couple uh, weeks, there's there's been like a lot more retrospective lists and maybe it's because of, you know, 2020 moving into a new decade. Ooh, spooky, that kind of thing. Yep. <laughs> but uh, what I would like to talk about are the not best, not fastest, not any of that cars of the previous decade i would like to talk about the most quintessential cars of the previous decade the cars that defined the decade that that when we look back in another 10 years we'll be able to say yes that car was important that car defined part of the decade yeah it's a little twist on what everyone else has done for the past month <laughs> yeah everyone else is top 10 most important top 15 best or they categorize it best supercar best mm -hmm. sedan best suv best movie car best whatever yeah but yeah when you think 2001 to, or 2011 to 2019 yeah wait i gotta redo my notes nice um when you think 2011 to or 2010 to 2019 those first few cars that pop up that's what we're going to define yeah yeah, that's what I think. That should pop up in everybody's skull. Yeah, that, and that'll be kind of our campaign, like, you know, another... Think of these. We're right award. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, man. But first, as we normally do, we got to start off with some pace laps. And everybody's favorite fugitive CEO <laughs> has been <laughs> okay. doing some work over way, the holidays. Way to, way to spoil it. He wasn't 
at the time we we took our little break, a fugitive, he was just out on parole or bail. I don't know what it is in Japan. Was he out? Yeah, okay. he was not. He was not. <laughs> he was under house jail. arrest. He was under house arrest. Yeah, there it is. He was under house arrest uh, and and surveilled until he wasn't surveilled. And uh, Carlos Gosen, for those who haven't heard, uh, took the opportunity. Was it before Christmas? I I don't have the exact date. It's it been was, a while. Yeah, it was definitely after Christmas. After Christmas. Yes. Anyways, he took the opportunity of a of a midday break to walk out the door. And find his way into the arms of a paramilitary group and a crate and then escape the country. And where did he go? That's the most interesting part to me. Where did he go? He Beirut, a, I, Beirut, I'm looking Lebanon. for a bunch yeah, of Yeah, he ended up in Lebanon. Beirut, Lebanon. Lebanon. That's Le- right. Le- Le- Lebanon. Lebanon. I have Lebanon. <laughs> I'm trying to find, I have a So it was a, it was a, yeah. Planes, trains, and automobiles. He got in a car, he hopped on a train, they loaded him in a crate into a jet that flew from Japan. They made couple stops they ended up in turkey like turkey's arresting yes. people who let him let that plane through customs and like all the people on the plane are now fugitives in turkey they're not allowed back when there's warrants for their arrest he lands in lebanon and then he decides to like have his own press conference speak with the lebanese media to, <laughs> to tell his side of the story <laughs> and it's just you know it's slander it, there was all part of this rant this this scheme and he's innocent and all this other stuff and craziness man so here, here are the tweets I was looking for um, from, I don't remember where I found this thread, some retweet from someone I follow, uh, Localist15, at Localist15 is the handle. Um, so the first rumor, this would have happened, he, he would have escaped either on the 29th or the 28th, our time. So, you know, Dateline, blah, 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 who knows. Um, so the first rumor was that he was going to Lebanon, I think. Don't know if he's a Lebanese citizen. Yes. Is he? Okay. So being brought back to Lebanon, that makes sense. To have a role on the Technocrat Council of Ministers, which would be super weird. Hmm. Um, which is a great name, though. Yeah, yeah. But anyways, he was literally put in a wooden box and sent by plane to <laughs> Turkey. And then uh, once he got to Turkey, he got on the on Do you the think PJ they let him out of the box jet. when he got on the plane? I feel like no. Really? I, it doesn't seem... He rode from... He rode all the way to Turkey in a wooden box. I feel like, okay, if because you're, when you're on the plane, who's going to catch you? Yeah, like, but if you're going to do the work, right, yeah. to, to smuggle yourself out of a country where you're being uh, charged with a lot of crimes and facing a lot of jail time, wouldn't you feel like you should at least stay in the box to kind of like complete the escape? No. Wouldn't it feel a little, little counterfeit? No. When the plane's in the air, unhinge it, let me out, let me stretch no, my legs commit, a bit. Commit to your escape. I can just hop right back in before the plane lands. Like, it's not that big a deal. When you're up 30,000 feet in the air, no one's going to catch you Nick's there. not buying into the method actor escapee thing. Yeah, Andrew, not at all. I don't move know on. Not even a bit. He's a rich guy. He gets he, he gets out of the box and onto, like, a big, comfortable seat. I, I do have uh, Carlos Gosen's statement here, uh, which would have been uh, later on the 30th, later in the day. Statement from Carlos Gosen. I am now in Lebanon and will will no longer be held hostage by a rigged Japanese justice system where guilt is presumed, discrimination is rampant, and basic human rights are denied in flagrant disregard of Japan's legal obligations under international law and treaties it is bound to uphold. I have not fled justice. I have escaped injustice and political persecution. I can now finally communicate freely with the media and look forward to starting 
next week. And I don't think there's been any further. <laughs> no, that's that's pretty much been it as far as I've seen. <laughs> I mean, seriously, has anybody bought the movie rights yet? Hopefully by now. I mean, uh, over the over the break, that was one thing. I did want to have Artisan Loaf on the podcast to talk to us about just some crazy futures, right? What could happen to Nissan if? What could happen to Renault if? And since then, it literally turned into John Wick. So now we, can't, <laughs> we just can't do that because no one would have, in that conversation, had we had it before this, no one would have said, what if Carlos Gosen escapes from Japan? With the help of? With the help of a paramilitary group. <laughs> goes to Turkey or goes to Lebanon via Turkey. Then people in Turkey get arrested. Then Japan just doesn't say anything. By the way, there's, there, there has not been an official statement from nope. Japan that I've read or seen. No. They're too uh, ashamed that they let him get away, I think. But there has been a ripple effect of this. The Nissan CEO was ousted after this. Yes. So it's had knock-on effects. Gosen's escape has had further f- effects, specifically in Nissan, but also in Renault. Like, it, it's just, it's making people look harder, I think. Mm-hmm. This is crazy. It's yeah, I was I was looking forward to hearing hearing what Loaf has to say, but I think we have to let it settle down a little bit. Definitely. Yeah. So uh, Loaf, we, <laughs> Loaf, if you're listening, we want you back, but we just got to get the yeah, timing we'll, we'll, right. No, we'll get him back. We'll get him back on something on something perhaps a little more lighthearted <laughs> that doesn't uh, involve absolutely international intrigue. <laughs> yes. Your prayers and the prayers of everyone. In the whole world have finally been answered, Nick and Tristan. Yes. Have you heard about this? Have you seen this? More rumors about the next-gen GT86 slash BRZ. Oh, yeah. Will, or could, have 255 horsepower. Oh, thank God. Does anyone care at this point? Does anyone care at this point? Nope. No. No. I mean, not now, not in the middle of winter. No, I'm saying, but I mean, not with that, even my generation double WRX thing. No. When you've got the Supra for Toyota and you've got the WRX, especially the, S- yeah. the STI, uh, Summers has an S209, by the way. Very surprising. Really? Yes. What color? White for sale in, you can buy it if you want to. That's what for sale means. Yep. I was at seventy grand or something. It's a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. Of <laughs> but uh, you know, but with the S two hundred nine, even the RA, the regular STI, I feel like that's gonna have a lot of Subaru heart and minds, and mm-hmm. Super's gonna have all the Toyota heart and minds. I don't know why it matters at this point. My question is, why did they? Why are they overreacting now? Yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. The Supra's here. Why? Why try to revamp this thing at this point? Yeah. Well, why go so high? I feel like. I feel like the original call or the original fix would have been to take the initial car, put a low boost turbocharger on it and put it at like 220, 225 horsepower or something in that. That seemed to be what people really, really wanted. Right. And then that ability to basically just take a little computer chip and crank up the boost to get you to that 250 250 mark. Yes. But but coming off the lot at 250, I I can't imagine. It feels like they're cutting their own market because that's going to put it. Uh, thirty-seven or thirty-eight thousand is going to be my guess for the starting price on that. A two hundred fifty-five horsepower uh, rear-wheel drive car with everything else being roughly the same. 
You think it's going to be that much of a I guess, price I think hike? It's for, I do. For that much more horsepower? I do. I think it's going to depend on what they put on the inside. Because that's 28 grand for 268 and all-wheel drive. Correct. So, but that's not a... that. While it is a sports car, that is not a sports car. Right. What I'm saying is I think once you take some actual cost out of it, by not being all-wheel drive, the specifications mm-hmm. aren't as high... It's actually going to cost less to produce. You can mark it up and still have it be less. Fair enough. Fair enough. I could be totally off on that. It just feels like an overreaction that's going to overprice where where it should be. It's going to price it too close to the Supra. Definitely. Yeah. So definitely that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And then they talked about it getting a different name. Too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that I was like, oh, they could call it the soup. Oh, (laughs) wouldn't that be great? (laughs) (laughs) Never mind. You can't platform share that with Subaru, though. Uh, You can. You can do it with BMW. Sure. Prestige. Mm. And how? (laughs) Would you guys like to hear a rumor that I just saw published on Car Twitter that I heard from my mom four months ago? Wow. A car rumor. So you heard it from your mom four months ago and just hit Car Twitter. Yes. Oh, go, go, mom. I have no i I have no idea where she heard this, and I have no idea who she was talking to when she heard it. But in like October, my mom texted me out of the blue to say that the Toyota Venza was going to come back in 2022, and that she thinks that that would be that she wants another one that she currently drives a Venza, and that she wants one and thinks that that'll be her next car purchase. I don't know if I mentioned this to either of you two guys because I had it in my head. No, I was you like, haven't. Okay. Here, what about my my mad? If we're if we're already platform sharing with Subaru, build it on either the Outback or the Ascent platform, right? Well, can we take a step back for just a second? Yes. Where did that come from? I don't know. I don't know where she like, heard did it. You, did you ask her where she heard it, or did you think it up, or like why did that text come to you? I don't know. But what she actually said, I heard. Oh, okay. So I, I didn't, I didn't follow up. It was one of those things where like I started typing a response and then forgot, and it was like two days later, and she texted me about something else. Oh. But anyways, <laughs> uh, fast forward. Yeah, Autoblog on Wednesday tweeted out rumor mill reports Toyota Venza returning in 2021 oh. as a five seater hybrid, but it would be a 2022. Yeah, 2022 model. Year. 2022 comes model year. Be a 2022. Yep. So, so did you text her back then? No, I haven't because I want, I want reactions first. What should I ask her (laughs) and how is she more plugged in than we are? I don't think it's that hard to be more plugged in than we are. I mean, it's valid. Very true. It's also what you're interested in. That's a good point. I like the Venza. Like, I wrote a whole Google blog about how much I like the Venza. Yeah, I, I did too. Did she just Google search Venza probably and just found a rumor? I don't know. Like a Reddit? something but popped she, up i don't or? Faith, i feel like that's something she wouldn't do because my mom's not she's not a, as weird as it sounds today she's not an internet researcher like in the i went on the internet and i found this yeah, yeah. I, she she's much more of of a person to go somewhere to get information like looking for cars she's a hundred percent more likely to go to a car lot to start the search before she looks for stuff on the internet. Cause I think that I feel like that kind of result doesn't really like connect with her. If that makes sense. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, yeah, man, like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what to ask her. Who's her source. Yeah. Ask her to show her work. Where have you seen this? Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting. Reveal your secrets. It was just interesting that that came true of all things. That's crazy. Hey, did you guys, have you guys seen the announcement of the new Genesis SUV? 
Yes. Yes. Out. Now, everyone knew it was coming at some point. Just yes. Didn't, just didn't know when. So now we have somewhat of a time frame when. I just got to say, as terrible as the new design language on the car looks... It translates pretty well to that SUV. It, it, make, it, it makes looks, the SUV make sense. It no, looks no. really good. I think the SUV makes the car make sense. That's how good that SUV looks to me. It actually, Sorry, that's actually what I meant. Yeah, it translates <laughs> the car. The SUV you go, oh, makes shit. it make sense. Yeah. It's still kind of ugly on the car. However, yeah, yeah. the SUV, especially the back, is incredible. Awesome. It's like immaculately mm-hmm. designed in the, in the back. It's awesome. So, talking about Hyundai, Kia SUVs... I, I read a very interesting article, actually, about the Telluride. <laughs> yes. What was it? Why do you giggle every time you say that name? Because of the face he makes. every time. <laughs> because it's just, he's so, like, exact. The Telluride. <laughs> you have to say all the letters. Somewhat, there's an French. easier way to say that word. I don't know what it is, but it's, there's it's, a... You, people say it Telluride, but that's... There you go. That's not what it is. <laughs> Okay. All right. What are you going to say? Who on Pohonike's workhead for Tristan? <laughs> and they say it that way on the commercials. Ah, the new Kia Telluride. <laughs> we know. All right. Anyway. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> I think it was Car and Driver. Um, they had it as one of their long-term tests. Yes. Um, and they found nothing wrong with it. Like, they, they were like, "There's we had to dig so far into the bucket of things we could look at to complain about mm-hmm. yeah that the first place they found something to complain about was the spray pattern of the washer nozzle for the rear <laughs> windshield wiper <laughs> it's like it's awesome. like the motor is good the all-wheel drive is good the car looks great the guy who one of the long-term testers was like my daily driver is a land rover mm-hmm. a range rover and the leather in my range rover is not as nice as the stuff in the Telluride. damn that's like crazy and you can get one like fully loaded for damn near fifty grand. Like, yeah, which is compared to a, a Land Rover. <laughs> you can't even get an Explorer fully loaded. Explorers fully loaded are ten thousand more dollars. Wow, crazy! Fully twenty percent more. That that is interesting. I have heard weirdly nothing but good things about it, and and I think that stands in contrast specifically to the Stinger. Where you heard endless good things, followed by a nearly as endless string of yeah buts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's almost like the difference. It's kind of like the N. Yes. In a lot of ways for for Kia, where yeah, I guess you can complain about some stuff, but are you really going to complain about? the ride and the end being 5% too harsh or the stupid spray pattern in the rear window. Like where, where are you going? Where are you stopping? If yeah. that's your complaint. Yep. Mm-hmm. And that's so it's like, they've, we've had nothing but maintenance. Nothing has broken. It's, it's the keys are constantly checked out for everything from <laughs> office lunch breaks to like family road trips of like 2000 miles. And like, it's, I was like, wow, this, I would be very concerned if I were one of two two groups, mm-hmm. Toyota or GM. Oh man, GM more so than Toyota. I, I, I definitely think GM. I'm not. I, if I'm Toyota, I'm not too concerned. They have so much loyalty there. Yep. I, I mean, it, the the amount of the amount of loyalty, especially for people who this would be what the um, what is the what is the Toyota. 
This would be... I was going to say Land Cruiser, but that's wrong. There isn't even really one. Is it Sequoia? Sequoia, yes. Sequoia. It would be closer to the Sequoia. Yeah. Which is not, even by Sequoia owners, not reviewed that well. Damn. The good reviews for Toyota SUVs stop at the Highlander and return at the Forerunner. This is bigger than the Highlander. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty cool. So, and but that's where I'm going all the way back around, is that if Kia... Not even the Hyundai Palisade, which is nominally going to be the nicer version of the Telluride. Yes. Yeah. If the Kia is, like, the leather is nicer than my Range Rover, <laughs> I have high hopes for how very, very nice a Genesis SUV can be. Definitely. I'm, oh. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I think it's going to turn that whole segment up on its ear. But there is a big problem. Uh-oh. And I have a picture of it on my phone, and I just scrolled to it. Did you guys look at the interior pictures of no. the GV? GV no GV seventy. I don't remember. Doesn't matter. GV something. Look at this goddamn steering wheel. Whoa! What is this? Whoa! What the hell is that? Um, is this for a boat? They it's a, yeah, a, it's a kayak hat. They just put a foot, football in the middle. The, uh, the steering wheel is nonsensical. It's awful. Ugh. I'm supposed to picture that. Um, anyways. Maybe, it, maybe <laughs> it'll just be the ridiculous row of buttons for maybe, the C8. Maybe they heard that article uh, that we that's hate. That's a good point. That's but everything point. else about it is great. Yeah. Well, maybe they heard the article that you were talking about where they couldn't find anything wrong with the Telluride. They're like, hey, we're, just, we're, we're just going to make it obvious. Have get out of the way. dumb steering wheel. This great. Is a dumb easy. steering wheel. First thing they see, and then away they go. You think this will be <laughs> oh, Chicago? Um, too soon. You think? I mean, we're right on the cusp. Too soon. In my opinion, I would hope to we'll see find that. out. Yeah. I, I would hope so, Me but too. I think it's too soon. Because well, you know, I mean, I, uh, oof, I, I really want it to be there, especially because Chicago and the other smaller, quote unquote, because they used to be compared to Detroit, which now no longer exists functionally. <laughs> the smaller auto shows generally didn't get stuff like that, except in the past couple of years, and especially Genesis has always brought everything that possibly could to Detroit in the past couple of years. I mean, mm-hmm. we've had 12 cars in, in, you know, we're like a lot of the other brands are bringing one or two. Right. Exactly. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Do you want to jump into this? You want to get into the, uh, sure. To the meat of this quintessential cars of the 2010s. I found so many, but the first one that really stuck to my ribs, the first one that really I that I knew I had to add in there, an underappreciated car that just made a comeback. I think you can make an argument that it is the most quintessential car of this decade. So I'm starting off strong with the Nissan Juke. Yes, thousand percent. Yep, I that was the first on my list, and my information is at the moment pulled up for the Nissan Juke. Yeah, I, I mean it just has to be there. Yeah, I and I feel like. I feel like it's already forgotten because while Nissan kind of let it die and never really did anything with it, never really tried, what it led to was... Well, and then they they have brought it back already in Europe. Japan. I'm, I think it never left in Japan, right? Yeah, I think that's correct. Yeah. And I, um, for me, it flew right to the top of the list because it has also spanned that entire decade the first True. model year was a model year 11 sold in 2010 mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so it's been the beginning of right. 2010s and the end 
Was a, that was another recurring theme I saw. You know, honestly, when when Time Magazine did that, like, you are the person of the year thing. Yeah. And just totally screwed up the nomination of the year game for everyone. Yeah. So what I saw in a lot of these car lists was the car of the 2010s decade was the CUV. And it's like, stop. You're right, <laughs> but you're still wrong. You haven't actually picked one. Yeah, yeah you exactly. Can't just, you can't just pick a category. That's lazy. That's lazy content. It is. And I think if you're picking one, it better be... If you're picking one CUV, it better be the juke. Yes. It Everything is a juke. Now it is. And can yep. you imagine how hard Nissan is kicking themselves for not continuing? They got endless shit for how they designed the juke, and they stuck with it. They stuck with it from like an advertiser's perspective for like three years, and they just let it die. Why didn't they stick to their guns? All of this, all of the hype from the Kona, all of the hype from every single SUV, the Palisade, the Kia, everything that, every single thing that Chevy has designed, that all could have been Nissans, and they just stopped. Oof. That's got to suck. <laughs> <laughs> so is it quintessential if they let it die? It has to be. Yeah, because I would argue that because even though they tried to let it die, it didn't. Mm-hmm. It was their leading seller long after they abandoned it, and and even after they abandoned it, still defined the CUV segment. Yeah, and everything is a juke. Every SUV is a juke now. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's true. <laughs> they are. <laughs> yeah, and, and they were also kind of like the first into that. Not teeny tiny CUV because they make there are smaller ones. There are smaller ones. It was quite a small one at the time. Anyway, it's enough about the juke. If we're going into that small, small SUV CUV category, I think I've got to nominate the Rav Four because it because it finally championed over the Honda, the CRV in this decade. I mean, this is as these article these lazy articles are saying it. It was the year of the small SUV and like or the decade of the small SUV yes. and the the Rav Four was on the leading edge of that and like. Starting in 2013, that update, rolling all the way through, in like 2013, or 2012, I'm sorry, they were at like 120-some thousand sold. Mm -hmm. The next year, they doubled it. Yes. And then they kept going and kept going. 2018, they sold north of 425,000. It was almost five. It was almost, yeah, it was almost like, I thought it was was like 470 or something. It is their top selling vehicle now. It has surpassed Camry. It has surpassed Corolla. It is the top selling um, vehicle that's not a pickup truck in this country right like and it's it has that title by almost double Ooh, that's impressive <laughs> i mean yeah if, if we're talking it's so bo- much easier to if, hate though <laughs> if we're talking boring little suvs i would nominate the rav4 and we're not and we're, i don't think we're, we don't have to make a choice no I mean, obviously I think, not i think when you look at the changes in design changes in aim from the little car-based SUV that the RAV4 and the CRV were before the Juke mm-hmm. to a much more tightly put together assembly of parts <laughs> yeah. that like make it look like a cohesive like literally if you look at especially the CRV but even the RAV4 they're literally tall cars yes and yes. the after you know, you know be <laughs> before juke and after juke you can see a distinct design language change across almost everybody and then i think i'm laughing at aj <laughs> and then i think then you can say that the the rav4 
like cemented the CUV into the buying consciousness of people. Yeah. But I think the juke cemented kind of what they were. Plus it's forward. actually good. Yes. As yes. as hard as that is to admit simply because you, we have first-hand experience with you that. You don't want the thing that sends that sold I mean probably north of 7 million over the course of the decade. You don't want that to be good as well. You know? You're like, because yeah. you want to believe that you're the car person and you don't drive what the sheep drive. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's elitism. Yeah. thousand percent. But it's you, definitely pretty good. <laughs> yeah, sure. It's a pretty good vehicle. And, and you're it right. It does try to blind you, though, at every chance yes. it gets. But besides that. How to get your eyeballs. Yes. <laughs> People, that, that car will be remembered no matter what. Yes. My, my nominee, because it kind of, it falls into a... A category that I don't, we, we weren't really going to talk about, I don't think, but something I'd like to mention is for me, one of the you know quintessential 2010s cars is the Subaru Outback as we know it now. Okay. Because mm-hmm. convince me. The 2010 to 14 model year was when they were basically beginning to be recognized, not even beginning to be, they were more or less exactly like they are now. Yes. Minus facelifts. It's like they, they went to the legacy platform. It was bigger. It was longer. It was taller. And you can draw a direct line because I think there's something to be said for potentially the Hyundai Kia Genesis group mm-hmm. and Subaru, in my opinion, as the marks of the decade. I think they're the ones that made their biggest strides. I yeah. think Subaru just in pure sales numbers and Hyundai Kia in everything from sales numbers to quality, everything else. And I think that that was driven by the Outback. Because well, that 2010, correct me wrong, but I think that 2010 revision came out the year after Subaru without going Outback got beat by Toyota in the Venza. Yes. And they came back and destroyed them. Yes. With that 2010 revision. And, and those Outbacks were so popular that they drove everything else. Like, yeah. there's always that weird niche market for the WRX and STI. That's this whole separate thing. Mm-hmm. But people were like, I like the Outback, but I want a car. I'm going to get an Impreza. I like the Outback, but I need something even bigger. I'm going to get a Forester. Like, from top to bottom, I feel like a lot of Subaru sales traffic was driven by the Outback. Yeah, and I think, I think if I'm remembering right, that revision doubled their previous year sales in its first year. Something like that. And, and then yeah. it stayed, I think it went from like, I want to say it went from like 120 to, in the mid twos, and then it has stayed that way across the board. A staggering statistic from when I leased mine. I called them and I said, you know, I really want to come and look at one, but I'm not going to be able to in the next couple days. That was what, 16? No, 17. 17. Yeah. 17. And so I'm not going to be able to for the next few days. Are you guys going to have one for me to test drive in the next couple of days? They laughed at me and said, <laughs> and said, we have 32 on the lot. And by the time you get here in three days, we will have sold 16 and brought in 16 more. Oh my God. <laughs> like, you know, we sell them like at the clip of six or seven a day. That's so nuts. like, you know, it's, it's crazy. And they're manufactured here. So they don't oh, have right. to, yeah, so they don't have to ship them too far. They come from Indiana. So they make tons of these things. Well, and I guess it's, like Subaru's a smaller brand, not anymore. And I think, and I think that's that's the thing is like when you look at brands that kind of defined the 2010s, mm-hmm. 
it has a lot of the hallmarks that other groups picked up. I think a jump in quality and marketability that Hyundai and Kia had, a jump in sales that Hyundai and Kia had, um, and then it kind of informed like almost like the conscientious car manufacturer, mm, that's you know, a good point. and with their like, hey, if you buy a car, we donate to charity. We have a zero landfill manufacturing plant in indiana like all this stuff was kind of at the leading edge they were on this before that became you know widespread yeah well i was just going to say from a purely aesthetic standpoint i mean when they came out with that revision the 2010 revision of the outback by the time you get to the end of 2018 most of the cars on the market did exactly what Subaru did, where they just came back with a car and added a two and a half inch lift, and we're like, "Oop, SUV." Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Ta-da! Yep. And, and that's really kind of what happened. But it, I mean, it yeah, works. It's, it's like every, everybody decided to make one from you know Opel to Audi had been doing it with the all-road, but they had scrapped the all-road, and they said, "Wow, this Outback's doing really well. Let's bring back another one." Mm-hmm. Like you saw at the same time. From people who thought they were too good to buy an Outback, you can actually track surges in Volvo cross-country wagon sales. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I want that, but I'm better than that person. I'm going to buy, <laughs> you know, like, they they track consistently. And I think that that, that kind of power <laughs> makes it one of, the, one of the quintessential cars of the 2010s is the Subaru Outback. For sure. That's a good one. Nice work. Thank you. You dug deep for that. I really, all, like, every, I really like my Outback. It wasn't, it wasn't all, on my radar. But it, it wasn't, yeah, but it all makes perfect sense. If I had the money, I'd still have both. <laughs> I am going to make a 100%. I'm going to make an argument based on an emotional desire. Okay. What else is new? <laughs> but this one makes sense. We'll be the judge of that. Fine. Says the emotional mess over there. Fine. <laughs> I am going to nominate... The first generation Hyundai Veloster Turbo. Knew it. I was gonna, I, I will actually even limit further and say the R spec specifically. Because not only, if you, if you look at the impact of that car from the time it came out in 11 to the time the 2019s were released, which was functionally the same car with a different axle, not only did that car go from absolutely slaughtered in the media (laughs) to beloved in the media but it also went it also forced honda to bring back the civic with its first ever turbocharged engine yep and yet it's still faster better on the skid pad and brakes harder it was a better car than the car that honda designed to beat that car and launched the n brand and made people take hyundai seriously which then led them to take Genesis seriously. And here we are. In my mind, the catalyst for all of that was the R spec simply because it was the first car where they had an idea in mind, which was perform track performance, quote unquote. And while they may have made some silly decisions with it, like non lighted mirrors, save weight. Okay, guys, they actually tried Hyundai actually tried and committed to something and did it all the way for the first time that's not bad but i would almost argue that a different car from from hyundai from 2011 is really what put hyundai and kia and the korean cars on the map let's hear it the 2011 sonata was that the first one with the 2.0 
I believe so. It was the one that, like, there's this complete redesign that just blew everybody away because mm-hmm. it was a sedan, but somehow they designed it like a coupe. Yes, they yeah. Call, they called it, um, uh, uh, I got it written down, a f- fluidic sculpture styling <laughs> was what they called it. Of course. But I think up until that point, people were thinking of Hyundais and Kias kind of like Suzuki's or Geo's or something yes. like that. Yes. Yeah. But that 2011 Sonata came out. I think that was right after they went and got one of the designers from Audi, wasn't yes. it? And that it's, mm-hmm. it's brand cousin. The Optima is what put, ah. uh, is what put Kia and Hyundai on our map. When we drove to yeah. of the Americas. Yes. We, we drove 18 hours to Austin in one. I was worried when I picked it up, because I told him when I got the rental car, don't worry, I've got like a, a Malibu. Yep. And then he's like, oh, cool, good. Like, we're going to drive down there in a Chevy. Horrendous issues. I go get it replaced with an Optima, and I'm like, oh, God, he's going to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> the car was brilliant. Yeah, it was fantastic. Fantastic. I just yeah. want to look up when so I would, I, I would that argue, redesign, when that happened. I would argue that that is the car that really started driving things forward and not the Veloster on the, on the performance side. Yes. Sure. If, if you want people, if you want people to take Hyundai seriously, as far as sporty and fun and able to compete, uh, potentially on the racetrack, which it's doing now and doing really well. Mm-hmm. Sure. That's where the Veloster comes in. If you're talking about what just drives that company, that brand forward, I think it starts at that 2011 Sonata. Okay, so that third generation Optima, is also yep. a 2000, a 2010, well, being 2010 model year, yep. is also a 2010. So clearly, something happened in that first year yep. of, of the decade. And that's where I go on to say, when you we start, it starts there and just goes up, up, up from there over the rest of the 2010s. Yeah. And that's why I think, that's why it's, it's, a, it's a close race between Subaru and hyundai kia genesis as my like kind of brand of the decade mm-hmm. but i think that i think yeah in two in, in two important respects i think you've got i think you have a you can pretty well divide people between people who would care about the veloster mm-hmm. people who would care about the sonata optima um yeah. and they hit both of them those are platform shared right I think, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and like <laughs> It doesn't matter whether you're more like us and we're like, oh, yeah, we want the N, we want the mm-hmm. R-Spec Veloster, or you're the person who that Sonata is replacing their Toyota, what, probably Camry, Avalon even? Yeah. It's a big yeah. car. Yeah, somewhere in um, So it's like, Avalon. you know, I bought this Toyota for years and years and years, but I've got a 10-year, 100,000-mile warranty, and this car is pretty good. I'm going to buy one of those, whether it's your more conscientious, you know, buyer based on reliability and comfort or more you know aggressively minded car people like ourselves Mm -hmm. they managed to get both of them that's really interesting yeah i think it all rolls up to the sonata because people wouldn't have thought to take the veloster seriously if that sonata slash optima update in the 2010 2011 time frame Mm -hmm. hadn't happened i think that's possible although i do think those are very distinct marketing groups also true but and i didn't do research on this i'm kind of free free balling here i don't know what (laughs) year gross the sonata hybrid came out i think that was i think that would have been probably the decade before because those those had like a a spike in popularity themselves 
But I think that was the body style previous. Maybe. I know they had a spike in rental car sales in the middle of the 2010s. <laughs> well, yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> that's, that, when I, that's a thousand when I, percent. That's when I started driving the Sonata hybrids <laughs> everywhere I went. Yeah. <laughs> it's an interesting thing. I, I mean, it, it almost feels like there's something more to be looked at there. Like, why 2011, 2010, 2011, there's just like a spike in quality and focus in almost like determination you know what i mean and then throughout the rest of the decade somebody at the group made up their minds i guess we're not gonna be that anymore yeah done yeah it's culture shift (laughs) yep they're gonna spend the money we're gonna get someone from the german marks who does you know and we're gonna we're gonna bring good people in and we're gonna make this we're gonna write the ship yeah hire people hire people i i would like to make a very unusual suggestion in in the in the spirit of nominating brands, I would also like to nominate the MQB platform and its thirty eight respective models. Yeah, because <laughs> that came out in ten as well. It did, and yep. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it, it's in everything, and it's astonishing. <laughs> everything, every every single thing. I think that there have been, and again, this is pure spitballing on my part. But I, I, I believe I could research this and back this up. We'll see. But I believe that there have been other, like, universal platforms. Yes, you know, have been. That have been sold across multiple brands and everything else. Also, yes, we know um, that. But I feel like the MQB is the first one that's, A, across so many, and B, with so many, so many so different vehicles that have come off of that platform i mm-hmm. totally agree and well because yeah well i said 38 models but that's not strictly accurate it's 38 nameplates nameplates each one of them having distinct models and trims underneath it so for example the golf under that umbrella counts as one nameplate one of those 38 right. versus so that's <laughs> everything from the 1.0 to the golf r to the golf uh, uh, all track it's it's that's all golf mm-hmm. the e-golf the e-golf yes although uh, isn't it like the m uh, there's a, there's like a, a, a electric engined version of yes. the mqb yeah, right? the, MQ, yeah, the mqb has yeah. an electrification version but it's yeah. all still mqb actually right. <laughs> yeah it's it's nuts the wikipedia article is literally a full page of names and pictures Names and, and links to full articles about that Those, particular vehicle. Yes, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we're going to see more of that, especially with things like electrification coming. Oh, a thousand percent. So, I mean, everyone is doing that now. When you yeah. look at any brand, most of the cars. Yeah, I'm going to say probably most brands don't have more than three or four platforms. I would think. Yeah, probably. Well, that's why all the big corporate mergers happen. Yeah, they true. The super, Lee Iacocca the, was right. The, yeah, the super <laughs> the supers on a BMW platform. Super is a BMW. Yeah. So Legit. so much so much so that as we discussed before, BMW legally had to be the entity to issue the recall for it. <laughs> it's so funny to me. I love I love knowing that and reading Toyota's tweets about the Supra. I just. It makes me so happy. <laughs> All they're really doing is just selling BMWs, which is funny. Uh, it's it's crazy. It's crazy how they're doing that. Anyways, I wonder how much of a cut BMW gets off of all I that. I know. 
I want to know more about the business side of that so badly. What's yeah, in that is contract? it a percentage of sales, or is it do you buy them from BMW for a cent amount and then you and have then to you sell mark them. them up, or was it yeah. just a lump sum? Yeah, I don't. Oh man, I want to business nerd out on this loaf. Help us, loaf. Right? <laughs> yeah, do do some investigative reporting. Um, I've got a nomination. We're going to go kind of the opposite end of the of the spectrum. We talked a lot about consumer cars and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. So when we did this cars of each decade episode last year andrew i believe it was when we talked about the 2000s you said without a doubt it was the veyron Mm -hmm. so if you think on that level for the 2010s my first thought does not go to the replacement of the veyron this year no no one cares no one thinks about that (laughs) for me it's the 918 spider from porsche okay all right i was gonna say p1 they all came out at the same time, basically, 2014. That means you're supposed to say the LaFerrari. Yes, I know, but I don't like that. Then lie. <laughs> I don't think of the P1 either. Just lie. Content. I think of the LaFerrari. Okay, there. Yeah, okay. Now we can. Now we okay. have content. Okay, we can We can edit that better on the back end. Um, you know what, guys? I think of the LaFerrari. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put that where it should be. Okay. Good. I actually have all three listed together, though. Genuinely. Yeah, I mean, they all kind of led the same charge, but the Porsche was just the best one of the three, I think. I like, don't necessarily disagree. I the, don't disagree. The, the Ferrari, the Ferrari had a battery i don't think it was hooked up to anything i just put one in there <laughs> look i put a battery in it <laughs> just a deep cycle marine battery yeah, thrown on the on just a couple, couple of it was d-cells just, stuck in the, it, it, in the it was just, the it was just an optima up. behind the driver's seat they just <laughs> stuffed it down in there and not the um, kia the battery brand yeah yes and the the p1 could go like a mile on on a battery but like yes and it wasn't much for there was like 20 some miles on electric power but the porsche had the most hybrid power, the biggest batteries, the best range of the three in an in an era where hybridization, electrification was all the rage for everybody. They took it in a hypercar ultra cool platform mm-hmm. and showed that it could work and still be cool and still be something that all the rich people want to buy. And I do think it's the one, in my opinion, that looks the best. Yes, and they learned a lesson from it too. That yes. car, they let it for the first time ever change the design for everyone including the 911 yep yep so that that's a huge moment i definitely i i just like the looks of the p1 a little bit more but i'm definitely willing to grant the fact that when you look at the actual facts of the technology and where it's leading and now when we're finally is that what year was that 2014 Wow. Okay. So that was faster, a faster turnaround than I thought. So if that was in 14, starting in 2021, it sounds like we will finally start to see civilian level cars that do hybrid performance. Mm -hmm. That's actually a pretty quick turnaround. Yep. When you think about that. And and that that, was the 918 for sure. Totally. And I can't, I can't help but think of um, the, the Top Gear film uh, with Richard Hammond taking that thing around. the Abu Dhabi F1 circuit. Yeah. Just one of the coolest car videos ever. <laughs> ever. You really like that car, huh? Yes. <laughs> I've, I've, seen, I've seen one once. And I just, yeah, I've seen it. We've seen it at Road America. Yeah. Oh my God, gear, we did. Parked in the grass by the gearbox. And I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> and it was the, it had like that retro white with the red, yes. red stripe. Yep. And then the circle number on the door. Very nice. Yeah, it was awesome. It was awesome. So that's, that's a nomination for me. That's a good one. Tristan, you got any more? Um, 
as much as we don't like them, I do think that much like our cars of the decade when we have to at least make a nod to Tesla's oh totally being quintessential even if not beloved by us <laughs> i was gonna say it if no one else did i yeah. mean yeah for sure i guess <laughs> before that the electric vehicle was so it was like it could fit on this table it looked it was actually it, it, it a looked, joke yeah it looked like a joke True. but what what tesla did was take that same idea and say oh you can actually make a decent looking decent feeling car out of this and make it somewhat enjoyable man is it annoying to me that no one has designed, hate to say this, no one has designed an electric car that looks better than the Model S. That's, I feel like that's an actual fact. Yes. <laughs> it's been so long. Yes. But. But. It's because the Model S is non-offensive. Not, it's the middle. <laughs> There are cars... You could make a car that looks way better. It's not like it's the top. Right. It's, it's that not nobody, the best it's like no, It's just that nobody has managed to make one as good as it is. It is... I've been in one. Mm-hmm. It's boring. Well, yes. <laughs> the inside is terrible. Yes, it gives me existential dread. And the outside is just black. Or silver. Or red. Or red. Like... Or white. But they don't look as good in those colors. Um, the, uh, the deep red, the can, that deep red is pretty good. Wait, what color did you say? Black? Black. Is that the, oh, I wonder if that was the free color. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. There you go. And you can have it in any color you want, so long as it's black. Or you pay me more money. Yes. Um, and I, I would argue that it looks good in black because everything looks good in black. That's when, good when you put colors on that car, it doesn't look as good. I totally disagree. I think I, the red looks amazing. Yeah, I think the red looks pretty good. Amazing. Can we all talk about, though, the Model 3? No. <laughs> nope. I don't want to. Yeah. I really don't want to. Good. Let's not. Uh, yeah. Well, no. And again, I, I at this point, I've just fully accepted the fact that I will, I cannot ever come around to finding Tesla more than an annoyance with Elon Musk as CEO. I won't do it. And it's 100% because of him. Yes. I just. Oh, totally. I'm so. Ugh. Well, we don't have to talk about it anymore. Exactly. What other nomination do you have? Uh, I have a bunch more, but they might be better suited to rapid fire because I feel like it's like yes or no. Um, what do you got, Nick? I've got, I've got two that I definitely want to get to, and then I've got a couple for rapid fire as well. Sure. So I'm gonna go with. Hmm. Which one of these do I want to say? Okay. <laughs> 2010, Ford launches the Raptor. The year is 2010. Like, yes. that is really the first time that someone said, we can make a pickup with... And, like, you had, like, all those other custom shops doing it with older Fords, mm-hmm. SVT, well, they the Lightnings. Like they weren't even custom, but they, they were from the companies, but... But it was all, like, one-offs and special builds and stuff. Lightnings, and like, hey, Cyclones, yeah. Cyclones. But here's, yeah, here's one, yeah. like, that we can sell on lots. We put... Big fenders, jack it up a bit, put bigger tires, put a big-ass motor in it so it can go off-road really, really fast and be super, super fun. And this is the first time that people really start thinking, wait, pickup trucks can be more than just for hauling shit. It like, definitely started something. It started something. The, it, uh, Ford, there have been references and touch points for customized 
not customized. What factory specials, factory special trucks for years. I mean, probably dating back to the invention of the vehicle, but there's something about the Raptor and maybe it was the marketing scheme. Maybe it was the absolutely amazing and hilarious videos of people destroying their Raptors, taking them off of jumps after they <laughs> just after they bought them insert, you know, Dukes of hazard. Yeah. Born here, but it came like, the the truck and the Raptor name became like vulcanized into the culture simply by being simply by the idea that you could take it to the Baja. Yes. And yeah, Ford did quote unquote, but there is still that element to it. And, and I think the real success of it is that 15% of the, of the marketed ability is what people will ever use. And the truck has that, plus 30% more easily. Yes. And, and to me, that's almost, that's where my, I don't have too many more in my head, but one of them was actually, cause it was the 2009 was when they like started releasing it, but it wasn't really marketed. They, they, they did it, but they didn't start advertising it until like the early 2010s. Does that fall within the window? Does that still count? Mm. They created it before it then. First. And the model year ran during that time. Uh-huh. So, um, but the just even the, the fifteen hundred RAM, that was mm. the first. That was it was the first concession to the fact that people just use pickup trucks as cars. But because, RAM has always been that. Has always been the the leaf sprung. Yep. But it's not anymore. It's that's the thing. It, it's coil sprung, independent suspension, the air suspension, all four corners. Like that was the like. The big deal in 2009 is that they swapped out the conventional truck suspension mm-hmm. and said, we're going to put coil over coil spring suspension all the way around. We're going to make this a, a truck people want to be in all the time. Maybe I'm mis- misremembering it because of the niceness of the trucks after yes. that. But I mean, Dodge has always, to me, been seen as the like softer truck. Right. But what I'm saying is that they, they took that and ran with it. And now, sure. and now, like, when you look at those early 2010 Rams, you've got like the super, super, what, was they, what were they, the uh, Laramie? That's Ford. Uh, is it? No, King Ranch is Ford. King Ranch is Ford. I think it's Laramie. Is like I think you're right. The like yes. super high trim, limited edition, mm-hmm. like lazy boy front seats, 8,000 cup holders. Yeah, the ones that came out with like, the the had that sewing issue earlier in the year we're like right yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> whatever it was yeah it's shit. like you know this the, the seats are stitched leather ram was pushing that hard and they said well let's go one further let's you know make this a nice place to be mm-hmm. and you know they made that concession that people aren't using trucks just just to haul things like they made them capable they didn't turn them into nothing they didn't put a four-cylinder without a turbocharger in them and big seats and make it the world's slowest most comfortable vehicle <laughs> they, they, they made it still a truck yeah but made these concessions and those are to, technically still around right the ram yeah. classic yeah the ram classic and then the new one is even one further but yeah like, double classic <laughs> um ram retro but i think that's you know there's something to be said as everyone follows that let's make this luxurious pickup truck i think that started with them what if they actually did that because like the early rams with the crazy hood shape and everything yeah what if with all the modern amenities and technologies they just designed it like that again and called it the ram retro 
Uh, crash test, I guess, would probably be the problem with that. Like a lot of that bumper action is possible anymore. <laughs> mm. I, I love the idea in concept. Don't yes. get me wrong, but it's probably not possible. Mm. Damn it. I thought I was onto something there. I want to see more entirely off the rails now. I want to see. <laughs> I want to see more small pickup trucks. Uh, How rate. many more could you? Need? No, 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 no. More of the ones that already exist <laughs> with this on them. Various retro '80s light bars, paint schemes. I definitely agree with that. Oh, that'd be sweet. like like a get, get a new Tacoma. Hashtag fun Nick's light bar, right? Yeah. Get, get a new Tacoma with that A-frame light bar with a bunch of lights on the top and neon zigzags down the side. <laughs> that on. would be a cool option. That would, that would be really definitely cool. be cool. The retro option from the dealership. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Take Someone's note, doing that. Take note, dealership. Someone out there is doing Please that. Please do it. Uh, by the way, just over the break, I've seen uh, so many bizarre fake cadillac editions Go like on. i saw an arizona edition dts dt dts arizona edition yeah what makes it arizona it literally had a badge with the that was the shape of the state of arizona and said arizona edition on like the front quarter panel some dealership throws it on there and up charges probably and then i saw a texas one i have no and I saw Florida one. No, you didn't. I swear to God. You're ah, just making shit up It's the retiree now. edition. <laughs> well, th- I mean, yes. Obviously, it is the retiree edition. But this is a thing. I have not heard anything about any state edition. They're not, they're not legit. They're not real editions. Oh. Dealerships in those states put that on the side. And I don't know if they do anything else. They probably don't. And then they mark up the price. Custom seats. Pro- you know what? It probably is custom seats. I probably shouldn't sell them. It's probably yeah. custom seats. They throw something else in with it. It's not just the bag. A little uh, sticker wood trim on the dash right there. Yeah. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> First aid kit in the trunk. Uh, oh, the floor mats are included. Yes, mm. with embroidery saying. The Florida, Florida edition, yes. yeah. Arizona, yeah. Florida edition. Yeah, I, I mean... That's dumb, but super dumb. So I feel like some dealers do do cool limited editions. Yeah, you said do do. I did. <laughs> I feel like you know. As again, another side note. That's why I always say do indeed do something. Because <laughs> it breaks. I it feel up. like do indeed do isn't much better. <laughs> well, you kind of can't say it that way. <laughs> yeah, if you say it in that cadence, you gotta say it like tell you right. You gotta say all. <laughs> you gotta say you right. both D's. <laughs> do indeed to do uh, yes. another Not one on my do. list <laughs> we're back guys <laughs> yeah speaking of useless cars that yeah. everyone hates were we okay no. no no but i am now okay uh it's not a car that everyone hates it's a car that everyone loves except for me and it is the dodge challenger hellcat how do we feel about that as a quintessential 2010s car that was going to be in my rapid fire or honorable mention yeah, I think it's fair. I don't, I, ca- I don't, I don't care for it either. But it is this, it's this push for all these ridiculous factory versions of stuff. But well, is it going to be a sideshow? You think? Well, and like what, it always was. No, but what happened was they saw everybody going the way of let's get rid of straight muscle car and just make a good sports car, not just yes. power, but handling and chassis and rigidity and all that other stuff. They said, screw it. They did. But what they <laughs> said was now there's a niche market market that's opened up and through 
just economies of scale, like all they're doing is throwing a bigger engine in the exact same car. Yes. Their margins went through the roof. That single car and Jeep has kept FCA afloat. That's the only thing they have. Right. And so I think just from price gouging, well, yeah, (laughs) and cartel style price gouging, (laughs) (laughs) not price gouging, but uh, labor rate fixing. Yeah. Labor rate fixing all of those things. But yes, I I would, as an honorable mention, I was going to say the Hellcat. I, I just, I don't, I don't want that to be the legacy of the 2010s. There's so much other cool shit happened. Well, yeah, that's just well, the way it is. Well, you brought it up. <laughs> I know, but I wanted you to reinforce my beliefs, not to... That is not why I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's going on the list. Don't you think that's a bummer, though? Uh, yes. Yeah. I, I don't disagree with that, but it's definitely quintessential. Yeah, I but we just have to... All we sorts can't... of things I could say that are terrible and yet quintessential. Yes. That yeah, is we, the we, we can't you know, The 1940s, that. quintessential, war... <laughs> oh, way I to be no a downer, man! <laughs> I'm telling you, it can be quintessential and suck. That's doesn't mean you can't, you can't be that okay, way. This isn't the quintessential war podcast. It could be, and Let's I do would that not next. listen to that. No, we're not doing that. <laughs> All right, a couple of rapid fires. Then I've got one more like legit one yeah, before rapid fire. Let's hear it. And because I feel like it's my job on this show to bring motorsports back into the conversation. Yes. Can we think of two motorsports in the 2010s, 20 teens? Without thinking of Mercedes F1. I knew you were going to do that. I knew you were going to do that. Am I wrong? No, not at all. Uh, six, but six no straight- one's going to remember the name of that car. The Mercedes W04 hybrid. I yeah. already don't remember that. Natch. <laughs> no, you're, you're absolutely right. We, I mean, we talk about it all the time. The dominance of that team and that car uh, perennially. Yeah, it's not. It, it's not just the fact that it they're at six straight but it, titles. But it makes me uninterested in the entire sport <laughs> every single year. It's just not even. It's not even cool to start watching. But if we're talking about looking back and respecting things, which is what essentially or, this or, episode is about, or things that you will think of when, when you, you think, think of, of this episode, oh, I'm, I'm saying that as a point for it being quintessential, not right. against. Yeah. Right. Right. It's literally okay, turning me off of the sport because all it does is just sit there. Andrew, and remember, oh place. man, I hated F1 in the 2010s because all I had was Mercedes. Yeah, Me and uh, seven billion other people. <laughs> yeah. So I think it's for that reason, among others, it's got to be in the list. Definitely. It's just, yeah. So I want a different outcome this year, by the way. I mean, maybe let's do some rapid fire that we can talk about. We can do, we can do that another episode. Yeah. Um, but rapid fire. What else you got? McLaren 12C. Hmm. Yeah. I kind of feel the same way. Yeah. Eh. Yeah. Um, the Genesis G70. Probably too soon. Yeah, a little too soon. A little too soon. Too soon. Ford Fiesta ST. Yes. You say yes? I think so. I say flash in the pan. I don't think it's going to be remembered. Not, I guess not. I guess mo- just, I guess I lumped the Ford ST line of hatchbacks together. Yes. But. Yeah. I think, mm. I think it was overhyped in the end. I right. truly do. Uh, Jeep Gladiator. Too early. Too early. early. Lexus LFA. Was that in the 2010s? It was 20, yeah, 2010. Ooh, yeah. I thought it was before that. Otherwise, Still available put- new. 
Wow. True story. Yeah, yeah, that guy just bought one. Yeah. No, you can still go buy an LFA at one of the four dealers who has one, I'm sure. Yeah. Wow. Um, I thought it was earlier than that. Otherwise, I would have put it down. I would say, yeah, we put that one in there. I, I really want it to be, but I think I think if it had come from literally any other brand. Yeah, I think that's I think it's crippled. I, you know, honestly, the fact that you didn't know when it came out means I don't think it's quintessentially 2010. And you love that car. Mm. What was the sound of that I car? I love the sound of that car. Yeah, who doesn't? Uh, Honda Civic Type R. I think it came in too late. Too late. I yeah. was going to say the same thing. Um, the SLS AMG brought the gull wings back. Yeah. I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm going to remember it on its own as much as it brought the gull wings back. Yeah, it's like a parlor trick. Yeah. BMW i8. Yes. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. I think so too. Weird car. I actually I adore that car. I, I think love it's, it. I think it's so sweet too. Like yeah. sweet. That was uh, that was the most memorable thing I saw because that launched in ten, but I saw it at Frankfurt in '09. Yes, and I was just completely blown away. Um, the BMW M2 slash the competition version, so like that, them going to a two door ba- or back to a two door small. No, I was in a lot of articles. I don't know anything about BMW. I just had this discussion at work. BMWs, I don't look at them. I don't really either. For the most part. I see them, and I see the badge, but I don't know what it is because I don't look hard enough. So, like Ferrari? No, that's just because they're all the same. (laughs) I forgot about that. Like BMW? (laughs) BMW's not all the same. I just don't care. Ferrari's all the same. I can't tell the difference. It's not like I don't care to tell the difference. I just can't. I can't remember the names either. They're all numbers. Unlike one of my <laughs> rapid fire ones, Lamborghini Aventador. Ah, oh. mm. I, 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 I want to say yes, but I would actually say no because I think the Hurricane carried the decade from that brand. I don't think you would have had the Hurricane without the Aventador. Yeah, but that's not really the argument I'm making. I'm saying that the Hurricane, in terms of motorsports, in terms of cultural impact, in terms of looks, design... I mean, yes, the Aventador made a lot of things. Yes. But before the Aventador, the Reventon had done all of that already. The, the In my mind, those two are so closely linked simply because when you look at the Reventon, you go... Holy shit, especially when you look at like their development. Yeah. Boom. That's that blows the door off the hinges. And I feel the Aventador just kind of strolls right in after it, in my mind. Just because for me, the the Reventon was such a shock revelation in that matte black, the fighter pilot speedo, all of that crap. And then yeah, the the the, the Ventador is there too. That, that that's just me. Semi related. The hyper luxury SUVs of the 2010s, the Bentayga, the Cullinan, and the Urus. Those are those are yeah, the yeah. Urus. I think especially Urus. Like I said, that one night when I was watching TMZ, it's the only car in all of Hollywood. I read a, it's only I, I read a funny headline and scrolled right past. I don't really care about it, but it's, it's basically it's like <laughs> good story. It's bro. Like Lamborghini is now the company that makes Uruses and uses that to be, have fun making other Lamborghinis. Totally true. No, that's 100% <laughs> true. That's the business model. Yeah. Straight facts. Yeah. And and people will people will hate me for this, I'm sure. 
Originally, I was struck by... Whew, I don't know about that. I've actually come to like the Cullinan. If you... If, from, like... <sighs> like... N- anything except, like, the rear quarter. From the front, it's that big, imposing monument. Yeah. And from the side... I actually think, although blocky on purpose, it flows well. I, I know. I, I intensely dislike the Bentega. I've seen. <laughs> I, I actually, this is going to sound so Conan bizarre. Conan Black Edition, especially. But I is, find is it made me look at it more closely. I find it weird or difficult to f- to tell the difference between the Bentega and the Conan. I know they don't look alike, but they're, they're <laughs> they just don't. like they're, they're the same in my mind. It's like, yeah, that's the uh, one. Well, I think that's probably a more general problem you have with Rolls-Royce and Bentley. Yes, I think that is true. <laughs> Remember, yeah. Rolls-Royce is the square one. <laughs> <laughs> Bentley smooths out the edges a little bit. That's yeah. probably right. A Bentley is a, is a Rolls-Royce that has had a sander taken to it. <laughs> Valid. But, I mean, yeah, I, I think you would have to include those simply because since... What, what, which one was first, the Urus? Out of, out of those three. Bentega. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, Bentega, Urus, Cullinan. Man, Ferrari's fucking sleeping at the switch, man. Yeah, they, they, they're they, just they, coming, isn't it? They keep saying they're going to do it. <laughs> it's supposed to be coming any day now. Allegedly. Everybody else is going to have the second versions of theirs out. <laughs> I know. What are they thinking? Anyways, um, well, I didn't think of this and didn't look it up, but let me look up the... Um, um, Porsche, the uh, Cayenne was first, right? Yes, I believe yes. that's in the late single 2000s. I think you're right. But, because uh, it came out on the same platform at nearly the same time as the Touareg. Oh, wow. I was way wrong. We're all way wrong. It's been around since 02. Nope. Does not count then. <laughs> yeah. I do think the the Urus, the Lambo, will, will be remembered, because yeah. I think that that truck, since it came out, and I don't know why this is, but seeing it more and more and more makes it look better and better and better and look more desirable as a result. And it has nothing to do with who's driving. It just looks so good on streets. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. Unlike a lot of things that we've complained about and looked at over the years, where it's like, I kind of like that, but then you see it in the metal and it's like, oh. Yeah. The, the You look at all the drawings and the renderings and the advertisements of the universe and you're like, God. And you, you see it in, in the metal on the street and it's like, Okay, I kind of get it now. I get it now. But I even thought it looked... I I started to slowly come around when I saw it, like, parked uh, at tracks. You know what I mean? Yeah, in the metal, in person. doesn't have to be moving, even. But when you see it out in the wild... Yes. Actually, weirdly enough, although... I was oddly impressed with the segment that Clarkson did on it. On the Grand Tour. When he was do uh, that was in what Sweden or something? He was like, yeah, was, yeah, like yeah. driving up a you know ski hill with it, and yeah. Like mm-hmm. you know things that you would never do to your Lamborghini, <laughs> right, right? And it's like so. okay, actually this isn't too bad, but yeah, yeah. yeah I, was, I was actually I was very surprised at how much they literally didn't just like it's not to the extent of the G wagon where it's like here's a luxury SUV, but it's really built on a military vehicle, so it has right. like independently locking diffs and like right. no, yeah. it's it, not, but, none of that. But it's not just like here we put our car up on stilts and that was it. They mm-hmm. actually put some four wheel drive, all wheel drive thought into having it be an SUV, which I was having a discussion with a coworker. 
I, I, I hate poser SUVs. Like, like, <laughs> like, like ones that only... 95% of them? Yeah, ones that, like, only come in for, front-wheel drive. Or, you know, that does like, drive me insane, You know, actually. it's like, you know, at least make it come with all-wheel drive. And then if there's any conceit to, like... There's a snow mode and a sand mode, mm-hmm. or I have hill descent control or whatever. There's the barest whisper of off-road capability. It's like, okay, you tried. I can at least respect that. Yeah. And with the Urus, they really tried. Yeah, <laughs> true. It turned out well for them. Yeah. The last one I have, Chevy Volt. Does anyone care? I saw it on a lot of lists. I do too, but I, I never... I think it's just a shame that Chevy just, or GM just didn't do anything with it, because they had a really good thing. Yeah, I think it might go down as remembered as what a shame. I think you're probably right. Because I actually liked those. They never executed. They and, were, and well, people never thought of it more than, like, a cruise with a plug. Like, they never tried to, like, push it as something else. It's like, hey, we got this hybrid. Looks like this. Call it a Volt. It's like, but it's not a hybrid, and that's, a, it's like, you never got that difference. Like, I think they tried to coast on the reviews. Yeah. Yeah. And no one really cared. I mean, I certainly didn't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's why they discontinued it. Yeah. So they pushed those really hard at the auto show one year though. Like, they were like they? giving test drives mm-hmm. and like like taking it out like into the museum complex and like quite a test drive like wow. you'd be walking I we were doing that with Fords or was that another year? Oh, yeah, it was I mean they they do it with a lot of stuff but like they it wasn't even just like here you are driving around under McCormick Place and like a little dip outside. Like they took you to like the Field Museum and back. Like <laughs> it was a long way. <laughs> yeah, I I think there are certain years. Uh, Mazda did it uh, two years ago with the three, mm. where they. I mean, there were those stupid podium flag stands. Yeah, five all the way feet. around. Yeah, yep. I Test remem- drives this way. <laughs> I remember no. uh, it was the two of us and our two dads, and we got like free lunch because it was it was they were introduced it was like the first big push for the EcoBoost. Yes. So they're letting everybody drive their EcoBoost models done on, down under the McCormick place and Ford bought us lunch to drive the car. Like, will you drive this? We'll buy you lunch today. Nice. Yeah. So I got to rip a Taurus around between all the the columns of the parking structure. <laughs> I scared the guy a little bit in the dealer it like the dealership rep who was riding with me. Cause like, you know, they say it to like Every person who gets in, like, this first straight section out of the gate, they're like, yeah, just punch it. Give yeah. it all it's worth. And we're sitting there. He's like, yeah, just give it. And I'm like, you sure? <laughs> so I did. <laughs> so I did. And he's like, okay, 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 okay. <laughs> you, yeah. you told me to. Listen, man. <laughs> so that was fun. And we got free meal out of it. So anyway, back on track. Any other rapid fires? That Tristan? was my last one. Um. I don't know about this one. This is why I wanted to put it as a rapid fire and ask the crowd here, ask the audience, because it's always been around and been successful. But specifically, the 2015 model year F-150, because that was when they went to the aluminum body. Oh, someone read the road and track list. <laughs> totally. Um, and it made good sense. No, I, I don't. I don't necessarily disagree with the argument. I just feel like I don't think anyone's going to remember that. Maybe that's why, that, that's, I why I, that's why I brought yeah, it up. I think it's going to be a differential between will people remember it and will it matter? That's why I went with the I Raptor first because I thought I like, that mattered matter. more. Yeah. So I'm, I'm of the opinion it'll matter, but no one will remember. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I mean, I think you're you right. Know, I, I, specifically I, when. I think because this is what's short of, you know, 
actually achieving the Rivian or the Cybertruck, mm-hmm. at least in the midterm. I think that's where pickup trucks are going to end up. They're going to end up with lighter bodies, smaller turbocharged engines, and that's what I think Ford started that avalanche. Yeah. So I think it's going to matter, but I don't sure. think anyone's going to remember. That's fair. We can leave it off. Um, what do you guys feel? How do you guys feel? Oh, I know pretty much know how you're going to feel. So I'm just going to ask Andrew. 458? Uh, no. Is that the red one? <laughs> Plus, didn't that come out in... Didn't that start production in 2009? Was it too soon? Probably too I soon. I don't know. I thought that's what I read. Because there was... there was I saw one of the editions of the 458 appearing on tons of, like, best supercar lists. But per- I, Personally, I love it. You, you guys know this. But... What about the wildly different and not at all hard to tell apart 488? Those cars look completely different, you monster. The 458 is ugly. The 488 is gorgeous. And the same. It is 2009. Ooh, damn it. All right. So it's out. Um, but I also do not think the 488 is a quintessential car of this decade. You do not? I do not. Yeah. Oh, God. As much as I love it, I'm, I'm same way. It's, yeah. just, it's just another Ferrari. It's a great Ferrari, but it's a Ferrari. They're all just another Ferrari, Stop Nick. Stop it. <laughs> Says the guy who likes Audis, and they all look the same. God, it's, uh, he's crazy. It's nuts. <laughs> they might look the same, but you can tell them apart because they have numbers that make sense. What do you mean? Well, okay, if your <laughs> argument is going to go down Two, to numbers, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, from smallest to largest, four, five, eight, four, four eight, 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 different numbers. <laughs> Where, where's the five nine nine? How does that relate to those two? The five nine nine came out after the, the four eight eight. No, the four oh, five. Oh, that would be eight. where it would be. No, 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 no. Because the five <laughs> stands for I Too fucking much. hate you. <laughs> <laughs> Too much explanation. See, you can't, I have no you can't idea. make up numbers and say it makes sense when compared no, to no, numbers it that make actually sense. make Shut sense. Up. It does make sense. 599 horsepower. Yep. I don't know if that's true. It's not true. <laughs> How do you know? Because I, I know you're making it up. I'm looking this up. <laughs> I'm looking this up. Anyway, while he's looking that up, Vamp! <laughs> Save me. <laughs> well, while he's looking that up, this one no one's going to put on the list, but I just wanted to throw this out there as like a token of appreciation because outside of the Formula One team, we don't talk about Mercedes that much. Like, no. let's, be, let's be real. Like, we don't about Mercedes road cars. But they had never made a hot hatch until they came out with their A45. Oh, have they ever sold that here? I don't think it's ever sold here, but their first crack at a hot hatch was all-wheel drive and 360 horsepower. Which is dope. I, I which really is, do like that car. That car's a fucking lunatic. By the way, the 599 motorcycle man is uh, the engine displacement. Ah. So the so three, so the three point So the 3.9 liter V8 Ferrari 488 falls right in line with that naming scheme. Yes. Thousand percent. You mean the three, the Ferrari thirty nine is what it should be. <laughs> you haven't thought of the fact that or three three thousand nine hundred. I'm sure there's a. I'm oh, it's sure it's a point four eight liter. Yes. <laughs> I, Get out I, of here. I don't know on that. Ferraris don't make any sense, and they all look the same. Oh Shut no up. no no! You know what it was? You know what it was? Okay, so four five eight right four five eight comes after 430 which was the 430 that came before it so 430 those are just numbers <laughs> right no because well, the 599 well, is front engine so wait well hold on your your argument changed though first you said 
because Audi designates numbers so you can tell the difference. So we said Ferraris have different numbers. Then you said, well, no, the numbers don't make sense. Well, they make they can you can tell the difference between the cars by the number. So that if was you, your initial if, argument. No, but, but no, what I'm saying though is you can tell the difference <laughs> if you know what the numbers mean. I think he hates Italian people. Yeah, that's yeah, that's it. it. He's a racist. That's what's happening here. What I'm saying Jingoist. is that, what I'm saying is that you can looking at the numbers, even the stupid ones that BMW uses, <laughs> which are even more confusing. You can look at this one relates to this one in this manner. Let's just talk about Cadillac names. Oh, no thanks. <laughs> By the way, we already did a car name episode. So hold on, hold on. <laughs> they are Cadillac. Something else that came out over the way. Cadillac is going back to car names yes in 2022 excellent which i think we called and last year not what what do we call them designators yeah yeah whatever it was (laughs) anyways and electric cadillac is going electric no they're not we'll see they won't they they just won't but yes sure Uh, for numbers make complete sense um however the 458 or the 488 or the 599 or the 612 none of those are uh, quintessential uh, yeah definitely not the 262 the 414 wait sorry those are areas that was a mazda (laughs) yeah see mazda made a ferrari they did before it was cool (laughs) uh anybody else have anything else to try to throw out on the list do you think we can wrap it up I think that's probably we, we made a pretty good list. It's enough ADC. So we've got the Nissan Juke, the Outback, Veloster Turbo, um, the MQB Platform. The uh, I think we just changed. I think we changed it to Hyundai cars, Hyundai and Kia cars in 2011. 11. Yeah, basically. <laughs> um, the early the 09 2010 Ram, the i8, the Urus, the Hellcat, the 918 Spider, the 2010 Ford Raptor, Tesla Model S. Um, RAV4, specifically the 2013 update, and Mercedes F1. It's a pretty solid list. Definitely. Yeah. I think we did a good job. It was a decent decade. Yeah. For cars. Can't wait to see what the next one brings up. Shut up. (laughs) Don't be hopeful. 2020 vision. Oh, God. We almost made it through the entire Uh, every day. Too many. That's the problem. Every day. Every damn day. (laughs) Wait, before we before we get out of here, um, who's what what we we, want to talk New Year's resolutions? What are we what are we going to do to celebrate the new year? As a podcast or individually? Sure. Yes. Both. Tell me about your life. You don't want to hear that. <laughs> more, I, I content. more content. More content. More content. Um, That's our New Year's resolution. Um, more interaction with our listeners and our followers. And to start, let's put it out there right now. Um, if you can get there, the Chicago Auto Show in February at McCormick Place, we are going to be there on February 8th, which is a Saturday. We're going to be wandering around, checking shit out. Afterwards, we're going to go a few blocks over to Motor Row Brewing Company. If you all are in the area, if you want to stop by, hang out with us. Let us know what you saw, what you liked, what you didn't. Hit us up on the socials. Mm-hmm. You know, DM us, whatever. Let's get together. Let's talk about cars. We'll be at the Chicago Auto Show and Motor Row Brewing after that on February 8th. Yeah. Let's get it out there. First chance to interact with us in person that we actually called out. Right. Yeah. No, I love that. That's awesome. It makes it way more exciting. So, yeah, let's just see who just comes up. Yeah. We got to make sure we wear our gear, though, that day. For sure. 
Because otherwise, no one's going to recognize us. Yeah, that could be a problem. (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to have Check Engine Podcast shirts on. Yes. Can't miss them. Yeah, because we're probably the only ones with them. Also true. (laughs) The only three at the show. New Year's resolution, more swag. (laughs) Right? Expand the reach, get the name out. What about you, man? New Year's resolution? Um, For the podcast, I... Well, in... So... uh, well, I did say we had a bunch of things that were going to come out of a break, and that just didn't end up happening for a couple of reasons. Number one is we ended up doing more behind the scenes mm-hmm. than up front, which is kind of annoying for people who... Front of the scenes. Yeah, exactly. Um, the I, It's just so hard to keep... Honestly, what's been happening with like daily content updates is that there's so much storyline action right now in car news, whether it's the Gosen thing or... The, the death of the auto show has really, like, <laughs> killed daily momentum. Mm-hmm. But that's fine. That's all excuses. Uh, on the back end, we have a new website that's, I want to say, like, 85% done at this point. Okay. Uh, I'll show you guys kind of where we're at. It's going to be much better to use on mobile. It's going to be much easier to read. And it's going to kind of, like, separate out the... We'll have access to more podcast episodes. You'll be able to listen directly on the site. And you'll be able to uh, access... It will stop separating out our social media and our website. Because we'll be able to have um, Instagram integration directly on the site. All that cool stuff. Oh, sweet. Really looking forward to that. Um, so that was that was a, a larger design drag than I thought it would be, honestly. Um, we are incorporating, which is exciting. Yes. I mean, that doesn't really affect the podcast directly, but it's fun. I'm very happy. I'm going to say we're that business going. owners. Exactly. <laughs> That'd be pretty cool. Um, what other stuff? I, in, in the process of finalizing the designs for a little studio for us in my basement. So we'll have a more consistent recording space. And we'll be able to, like, set this up, get it designed the way we need to, and just leave it there. And we'll like, get some nice sound tiles, all that stuff. So we're actually building a room specifically to record this. We're all in on this, guys, whether you like us or not. Exactly. <laughs> we won't go away. We're not going away. All that's behind-the-scenes stuff. And it's not, like, it's not, not that exciting to hear about, right? I, I'm sure from a listener perspective, but it's definitely impactful for us. Well, and in turn, it's going gonna, it's gonna to make for better experiences for the listener yeah so it may be boring to hear about now but it's going to turn out better for y'all in the long run yeah we hope well i mean definitely all that all those little things increase quality and i think the website's going to be big that's going to be awesome yeah i'm very i'm very much looking forward to that fired up about that so all that stuff and more to come in what is going to be an awesome 2020 we're also trying to line up some really cool interviews for you guys um, we've got lots some, of cool stuff on that. We've got some really cool leads that we're trying to uh, just kind of nail down. So much exciting stuff. Yeah. So it's already it's already in the works. Yeah. So more more to come on that. So yeah, twenty twenty is going to be a big year for us. So hopefully you uh, you stick with us just like you did for today's uh, premiere episode. Um, we appreciate you listening, but um, we don't want you just to listen. Okay, we want you to interact. Like we just mentioned, come out and say hello at the auto show in Chicago if you're in town on February 8th or at Motor Row Brewing just up the street on that same day. Um, we're on all the socials, uh, Facebook, at Check Engine Podcast. Andrew, do you remember what the Twitter is? At Check Engine Pod, I Tr- do. Tristan, do you remember what the Instagram is? At Check Engine Pod. 
There you go. Nailed you can it. find us. Yeah, not bad for the first time out of the gate. Um, we didn't rehearse that at all. Um, <laughs> the way he says it, it makes it sound like we did. We I know. Didn't. No, we honestly <laughs> didn't. I'm being truthful. Um, as Andrew mentioned, we're working on a kick-ass new website, checkenginepodcast.com. Um, we have a direct email there. It is inbox at checkenginepodcast.com. Um, if you're really into what we're doing and you maybe want to help with the web design and the studio funding and all those types of things, um, we do have a Patreon page, patreon.com slash check engine podcast, or you can find a little support button right on our host website, anchor.fm slash check engine podcast. If you don't want to give us money, we get it. We understand. Um, but at least take a few seconds to either click that subscribe button or write a little review, hopefully a good one. But uh, reviews help us out. Subscribers help us out in the whole podcast algorithms when people go search. So it doesn't cost you anything. All that's going to happen is you know when we come out with new stuff. Um, so we thank you in advance for that. Do you guys have any other thank yous before we wrap this up? I mean, I guess I'll just flip it around. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Tristan. Thank you, Nick. We're back. Ooh. <laughs> oh, no. Oh. My sound effects broke. <laughs> it's a very it's <laughs> want to try it again i do we're back no it doesn't work the way i want it to <laughs> i have it on there's like a repeat setting and it apparently doesn't like to work put put that on the resolution list to improve the sound drops yeah definitely we'll okay. just do this instead <laughs> yes Thank we're you. back we're Thank back you. we Thank made you. it that's right we made it through the winter so tristan anything uh, yes, I would like to to thank the weather for finally being winter. Psst. Welcome in, everyone. This is now winter. Fucking hate it. Shush. But okay, I I see where he's coming from because if it's not going to do this for Christmas, it's not going to do this for New Year's, it's not going to do this for all the month of December. Why bother? Well, I just hate it anytime. Really? Yes. You gotta do it here? eventually. <laughs> Why do you live here if you hate snow? I have a really good job here. My family's here. My girlfriend's here. I don't, you know, all that stuff outweighs three months of shitty weather. Three months. I I honestly hope that uh, this is like a a sign that we're going to get. Well, remember what happened last year when we got snow like this? Just a crushing winter for the rest of the month. Yep. That could be in our future. Anyways. It's not. So you're thanking the weather. Yes. That's weird. But whatever. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't think it was weird. (laughs) It's finally winter. I can finally be at peace. How do you feel about him thank-shaming you? Episode one. I'd like to thank him for (laughs) (laughs) thank-shaming Deal with it. (laughs) Fine, whatever. Um, I would like to, in in lieu of a thank you, I would instead like to issue a congratulations. He's reading something right now. I'm going to read something right now. Um, I need to shout out uh, to my cousin Andy and his wife Stephanie because... Today, on the day we were recording this episode, January 17th, 2020, at exactly 3.15 p.m., their second baby, Kaya Lily Gruber, was born, a beautiful little girl, 8 pounds, 14 ounces, 21 inches, all 10 digits. (laughs) So congratulations, cuz. I can't wait to meet her. So happy for you guys. Love you. That's awesome. Congratulations. So, and with that... It's about time we get out of here. Thank you so much for listening. We cannot wait to talk to you again. But until then, take care.